Now presenting. And I'm so sick of people saying that that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. The Cinema Chicks Podcast. Maybe I'm one of those people that has always wanted to do it, but it's like a pipe dream. Totally by guess. Snap out of it. Starring Hope Johansson. I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. And Madeline Rancourt. Yeah, Call me Ladybird like Christine. you said you would. Hey, I'm Hope. Hey, I'm Madeline. And we are the Cinema Chicks. Yes, we are. And today, Hope, well, I just feel like summer is picking up. We are now in the middle and end of June. June has, you know, kind of been a, I don't know, we've had quite a few Wednesdays in June. So that's been exciting. Yes. Um, but there's also like some new releases coming out and the Tribeca Film Festival just happened. Yes. Or it's, yeah, just, it just finished. So a lot of exciting things there. Jennifer Lopez, I was going to say Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> but Jennifer oh, Lopez had a, um, a documentary premiere there about her performance at the Super Bowl. And I don't know, I don't think this was at the Tribeca Film Festival, but Apple TV just released a new movie with Dakota Johnson, which everyone knows our opinions on Dakota Johnson. She's a wet noodle to us. Um, <laughs> a, a beautiful wet noodle at that. Yes, but with a gorgeous house. Y- absolutely. Oh my God, her house. Yeah. Um, But she has a new movie called Cha-Cha Real Smooth, which usually Apple TV I don't have access to. I usually... Just kind of pass on those things. But I love the Billie Eilish documentary that's on there. And I had a trial to it like last year because I like got a new phone and they gave me a free trial for a year or whatever. So I started watching stuff on there and then I was like, oh my gosh. So I wanted my friend to watch the documentary. So I redid the free trial. I don't know. Let me redo it again. So I was like, okay, great. But I canceled it at the wrong time. So no. I had it for another month. <laughs> So now I will be watching Cha Cha Real Smooth and I have a flight today and it allowed me to like download it, which I guess isn't, I don't know why I was surprised like Netflix and Hulu lets you do that. But I guess because like I'm on my computer and it let me download it. So I'm very excited. I mean, I'm flying JetBlue so I could watch something on their TV anyway, but their TVs like you have to have a wire headphone and I'm not going to pay $20 for that. No. So I need something on my laptop that I can just watch with my AirPods, Bluetooth it up. Um, so I'm excited. I'm going to be watching that. I will report back to you next week when we uh, record again and talk about another wonderful film. But I'm looking forward to that. And there's been a bunch of new trailers coming out, a bunch of new stuff. So uh, lots of exciting things coming coming soon. Anything you're looking forward to? I am also really looking forward to Cha Cha Real Smooth because yeah. I've I've been on film twitter you know Mm, and mm -hmm. everyone who's seen it already it is the top of their letterboxd yeah films of this year like above everything else that we've already talked about above everything everywhere all at once and x and the northmen and um yeah i'm so excited also because i feel like i've probably mentioned it on the podcast a couple of times one of my favorite bands is Heim, and mm-hmm. the oldest sister of the band, S.D. Heim, uh, was one of the composers of the film. Really? Yeah. So oh, I that's am make, that so just makes excited. Sense. Right, doesn't it? Oh, so wow. you, you're going to have to let me know how the music is. But I also have Apple TV, so maybe I will watch it before. I don't know. I'm excited for that, too. Okay, yeah. Like, let's review it then. Oh, absolutely. It's maybe happening. That's a July moment. 
Yeah, no, and I've heard like it's a really great coming of age story. I mean, I'm reading the little like blurb right now, and it's about a 22 year old like fresh out of college. So you know, we can relate to that. And a young mom, <laughs> sounds like the story daughter. of my life. <laughs> exactly. So I think this is perfect timing, and I'm excited to watch it. But today we are finishing. Well, we're not finishing it. We've still got one more week of June after this. But today the film we're talking about is Carol, which is directed by the wonderful. Todd Haynes and written by Phyllis Nagy and Patricia Highsmith. And it stars Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, and Sarah Paulson. What a cast. Honestly, such an iconic lineup. Well, and it's interesting because I was reading about it and I guess Rooney Mara was not thrilled about the way that, you know, the um when this first started, you know, it says this is a the Weinstein Company production or whatever. And apparently when it came to the Oscars, they kind of put Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett against each other, um, which I think is interesting because I mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I guess it's it's really hard in a film like this because at what point is it like, oh, no, that's the, I mean, it's called. Carol, right. So it's like, OK, obviously she's the main character. But I guess it's kind of hard. You could kind of make a argument for the fact that Rooney Mara could be also the main character. But I don't really think that. Um, But I know it had a lot of controversy at the Academy Awards, not only because of that, but people said it was like too conventional to recognize its brilliance or that it was too gay or themes of passion and heartache are universal. And I don't know, I'm reading a bunch of these little, these little blurbs of what the critics had to say, but also that it, you know, is too gay and too female for a largely old white male voting base, which um, makes sense. We've seen a lot of that in the past. So I don't think that's too far of a reach to make that statement. But um, definitely, definitely, I think that uh, this film, you know, it came out in it came out in 2015. So I, I don't know, like in my head, that feels like that's something that maybe would have been said in like 2007. Like, were we not? Yeah, that? I, I also like in my head, 2015 was last year. But that was also like, you know, what, seven years ago. So I guess that makes sense. But, um, you know, I also think at this point, you, we didn't have I know these are kind of cliche movies, but we didn't have Call Me By Your Name. We didn't have Moonlight, like kind of one mm-hmm. of the big blockbuster movies like this that had come out was really only Brokeback Mountain. So right. I guess this was this was kind of, you know, I guess you could say at the forefront or one of the trailblazing LGBTQ plus stories in film um, for the 21st century. Absolutely. But I think especially because it's set in the early 1950s, it makes it that much more of a compelling story to me, at least. Oh, ab- absolutely. And I think also, like, what you were saying about, you know, Brokeback Mountain being, like, one of the only, like, major um, LGBT films of the time. I mean, I used to talk about this a lot with one of my old roommates, Macy, who is an LGBT filmmaker, and this was like such a big moment for her to see like she had a carol poster up in in our dorm <laughs> and her her big thing about it was like yeah there's a lot of movies about gay men and that's or tv shows or whatever and that's more normalized but no nobody ever really wants to talk about the lesbians mm. so she felt seen for the first time which i think just goes back to you know what we always talk about that representation in 
any way, shape, or form in the media is so important because it's validating to people's existence. And I think also shows how you can make beautiful films about hard issues and, again, universal topics too, like the loneliness and heartbreak and divorce and all that stuff. Absolutely. And I I think also because it takes place in the 1950s, we see Carol already in this place where she has a significant other or, you know, is separating from him and has a child. And we see her in this place where she's already had to conform to these norms. And I think it's different from what we might see today where, you know, I would hope somebody is able to be their true self before they, you know, get to that point um, where they marry a man and have a child and have to hide their true self. But I think it's very compelling because like you were saying, where we see a lot of these more male-centric stories, even when it comes to LGBTQ plus matters, it's interesting because she is a mother and I think we've talked about this plenty of times especially like when we were talking about The Lost Daughter starring Olivia Coleman and these sort of stories about leaving your child and having to do what's true for you and I think especially in this case she is leaving her daughter but she's losing the rights to visit her daughter because of her relationships with women and that's being taken away from her and the only way she can gain this freedom back is by jumping into it and moving away and staying in a hotel and then coming back to it and in a way she has to give up her life because of who she truly is and thankfully that's hopefully not something we have to deal with now but I think it's definitely something that happened in the past this is based on the book The Price of Salt and you know these are stories that whether this exact thing happened or not these are stories that definitely need to be told because they're the stories that often get erased in history and Mm -hmm. I think you know in textbooks and stuff like that we only see like heteronormative couples and you don't see that like this is something that has been there forever and I think just because people are more open and more people feel comfortable coming out that now people think oh it you know older generations especially think that it's a fad or oh that's what all the kids are doing these days and that is the furthest thing from the truth and there have always been these people that are in same-sex relationships but they've had to do it behind the scenes and that's also something that this film deals with and that that privacy is shattered and they have to deal with that and finding these moments where they can be together and be intimate and then these other times where they just have to pretend that they're friends at a store right sorry that was quite the tangent (laughs) no it was amazing on another note i think this is you know it's a fantastic gorgeous film great story i love that it's adapted from a book from the time period which like you said, it goes to show that, you know, this this isn't something that's like just coming about now. It's just that we have the safety and the platform to tell these stories now. So I think it's really wonderful that all these people who were experiencing these struggles and hardships in their real life to try to be who they knew they were in a society that didn't accept it, their stories don't get washed under the rug or erased by history. We can tell them now. But 
I will say my one like little red flag other than the film being produced by the Weinstein company, mm. which I did not know until you just said that. So I was a little like, huh. but the film is also directed by a man. I know. I was just going to say that. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Todd Haynes, who great work, lovely, lovely work. I saw his documentary about the Velvet Underground that they made for Apple TV. Like, you know, he. He's a fantastic director. I just don't necessarily know why this. This, yeah, like uh, this was his story. No, I totally get that. But I have some beef with him. No, well, (laughs) I have some beef with him because I went to film at Lincoln Center was giving Kate Blanchett the Chapman Award. Oh yes, and um. He was supposed to like talk with her there, and okay, I really can't blame him, but he had COVID, so he couldn't be oh, there. No. Um, so they had like this other lady speaking, and I mean, he does a lot of work with Kate Blanchett, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that you know they partnered on this, but also like couldn't I don't like I just yeah why like I don't understand what perspective like that's the thing that we need to be talking about is like what perspective are you bringing in as a director and I Mm -hmm. I completely believe that he's a great director and that he probably like researched to no end and I'm not saying that like has to be like somebody who has lived this exact life that needs to be directing this because obviously like you just can't get that but to what point does like he understand like I I myself as a straight white woman like I don't I will never like fully understand this like I wouldn't say that I'm you know qualified to direct well obviously I'm not qualified to direct you know a a feature film necessarily but like I would be qualified to direct a queer film because that's not my place of expertise or understanding where I'm coming from and I, I think there's also a difference between I, I think if you're directing a film like with queer themes, but that's not the primary topic mm-hmm. of the story. Like, I, I think that's a, a different story. I don't know if I'd mind as much, but this is literally about that's it is the entire story be all of all of the the drama and plot of the story so but again looking back to 2015 and you know probably like 2013 when this movie got greenlit and started development and all that stuff Mm -hmm. again I don't know if this film could have been made if it wasn't you know men at the forefront being like I think this is the story that should be told if a woman came into a room and said that like I don't, I don't know if we would have it. And then subsequently, I don't know if we would have any of the other fantastic uh, movies about queer women, about gay women, like The Favorite and mm-hmm. Portrait of a Lady on Fire mm-hmm. and, you know, all of the other fantastic films that have come out since then that are, that most of them are directed by women. So, right. Little little side tangent there about how the film industry just frustrates me a teeny tiny bit. But- oh, well, yeah. And it's interesting to think about, like, especially how, for instance, like the sex scenes would have been done differently. Yeah. And at what point is it through the male gaze and not the female gaze? And 
I think one film that made that choice very interesting was Fresh. I know we didn't love that movie, but there were some interesting points where we really saw from the character's perspective. And when we were looking through Daisy Edgar Jones' lens, it was very much like looking at his hands or things that a woman would notice. But then when we're looking at Sebastian Stan's lens, it's looking through the male gaze and it's very interesting to see that difference and I mean even when you're talking about a cinematographer or the director or even the editing like that difference of who's on that panel and who's making the film you know what could be left on the cutting room floor is up for debate and what is even being shot is I I think that's something that's you know really interesting and Definitely could make for a completely different film. I think it's easy to say, well, that was the script and, you know, that's what it was. And, you know, that was the story and that's what I was given. And absolutely. But there are many different ways that you can go about telling a story. And uh, especially where this is written by two women, I think it's interesting that they went with a male director. Um, Again, like you said, I think that is because it was produced by the Weinstein Company. But if anything, I hope that this film, like you said, was, you know, sort of a trailblazer for other uh, lesbian films and queer films. Uh, And I would say that this is absolutely Cinematics approved. I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't know if like watching this, I was like, oh my God, like this is the film for me. I think if I was to recommend something else in this genre, it would be Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be this, uh, you know, another period piece. I would not recommend Ammonite. <laughs> no. But oh, oh. <laughs> remember that oh. one. But uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Yes, this this was definitely better than Ammonite. And on my end, I would say it's Cinema Chicks approved. Absolutely. One hundred thousand percent and on that note that's a wrap thanks so much for listening to today's episode if you enjoyed you can rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform you can also follow us on instagram at the cinema chicks and on tiktok at cinema chicks and if you want to be friends you can follow me on instagram at madeline daisy rancourt and on Letterbox at Madeline Daisy. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Hope Johansson and on Letterbox at H Joha. And before we end today, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Female-centric stories. Creepy dolls at the department store. And the Weinstein Company for absolutely sucking. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad we had that talk. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much.